Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Again, the title of our message tonight, What to Do When You Battle Old Habits. As long as you're alive on the planet, guess what? You're going to battle old habits. Whether they're physical habits, whether they're wrong thoughts, whether they're wrong aspects of lifestyle and challenges, etc., from the flesh or even the enemy that we face, how many know that you can overcome them because Jesus already did overcome them? Number one on your notes there. Number one, the very first thing that we must do when we battle old habits, listen, is to lay down every carnal weapon. Underline that. We're to lay down every carnal weapon we are trying to use and we're to pick up the what? Spiritual weapons of the Lord. You cannot overcome old habits which are of the carnal nature with carnal weapons. You overcome whatever you're facing with what? Spiritual weapons. The weapons God has given us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I know these will be familiar verses with most of you, but again, we want to give the more earnest heed to the things we heard so we don't drift away from them. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war or battle according to the flesh. Because you live in a fleshly body, we understand that we have a carnal fleshly nature in the context of our soul and body. So even though we're walking around on this planet in the flesh, what do we not do? We don't fight or war according to the flesh. Meaning what? We don't use carnal weapons. Verse 10, uh, excuse me, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 10. Notice it, verse 4, excuse me. For the weapons of our warfare, the weapons God has given us to wage this warfare, they are not carnal, but they're what? Tell me. They're mighty in God. What are they available for? Pulling down strongholds. Pulling down strongholds. Things that continually try to hound us, hold on to us, wrong thinking, uh, context. To think about things in your life that you have battled with over and over, of type of thoughts that you've battled with again and again, or aspects of lifestyle or things you've battled with. Well, you got weapons to deal with that. He says, for these weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not of the, the carnal fleshly nature. But they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are they? I'm about to tell you. Verse 5, casting down arguments. Now, I don't know what version you're looking at. New King James says arguments. What is an argument? An argument is reasoning. The word here is reasonings. Because how many times do you see Jesus in the four Gospels? He would perform a miracle, do something in the way of a supernatural work. And after that, the disciples would all of a sudden start questioning something in relationship to that very thing. And what did Jesus say over and over again? Why are you reasoning among yourself? Guess what your mind will cause you to do? Reason against who God says you are. Your mind will reason against what God says you have. Your mind will reason against what God says you can do. You have to cast down those reasonings. You have to deal with those reasonings, those arguments. So he says that you and I are to take the weapons God gave us and we're to cast down these reasonings and every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God. So where does the knowledge of God come from? 
Word of God. We get to know about what we have available, what we are, what we know we have already got, gotten to receive from God through the Word of God. We come to deal with these quote-unquote reasonings that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And we bring every thought, say every thought. We bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Meaning that if you deal with your thought life and you deal with these strongholds, your, your obvious uh, lifestyle will change. You'll begin to walk in obedience to what God has available for you, thinking the way He does, living the way He does, and therefore your disobedience will be dealt and done away with. So let's go back to these verses again. Verse 3, yes, we walk in the flesh, but we don't battle with fleshly things. Four, because I don't mean you don't battle against the flesh, but again, not with fleshly weapons. Verse 4 tells you that. For the weapons, say, I have weapons. I have now notice it's plural. Amen. It's not weapon. It's weapons, plural. Yes. He says, for these weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to pull down strongholds. These weapons are available to cast down what? All reasoning that would try to exalt itself against what we know God's Word reveals, the knowledge of God. And therefore, to help us bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is called winning the battle of the mind. Because if you learn to deal with and address wrongful thoughts, and you and carefully bring those thoughts down, and line your thoughts up with what God says about you, you begin to see the outward change, transformation of a life that God has for you to live. But these weapons are what we use to deal with this. So what are, what are our weapons? In this verse, in this verse, weapons primarily refers to the words of God. You don't just have one verse on healing. You got all kinds of verses on healing. You don't just have one verse on dealing with sin or dealing with any type of aspect of your life of which you might need to overcome. You got all kinds of scriptures, not just one. So the point is, you can go through the Word of God and you can find all these quote-unquote what? Swords of the Spirit. I mean, there's all kinds of weapons available to us through the Scriptures to deal with things that we deal with. We don't just have one verse on healing, thank God. We don't just have one verse on dealing with sin, thank God. We don't just have one verse on dealing with Satan, thank God. We got all kinds of them. So there's plenty available. And it's through these weapons, God's Word, that we wage this warfare. How do we do so? By bringing these reasonings that go contrary to the Word into subjection to the Word. So my, question, my, question, my next question is, how do you do that? So if we're going to battle this warfare with spiritual weapons, what's our weapons again, according to those verses? Word of God. How do we do that? How do we take these weapons and fight this warfare? I, I heard it in the back. With your mouth. You have to change thoughts through words spoken. When you speak God's word, your thoughts become captive to what you're saying. This is how you win the battle. If you're dealing with something in your life in relationship to a body issue, a mind issue, a sin issue, a demonic issue, I'm going to tell you how you're going to win that battle. You got to go find weapons, scripture, you got to go find scripture that tells you you've already been given victory over that. And you got to start doing what? You got to start speaking that over and over and over again. And you especially got to declare it when wrong thoughts come that try to exalt itself against the word. Well, I'm just always going to think this way. Is that true? How do we know? <clears throat> Let me give you a verse. It's called the work of regeneration. 
You go find all the scriptures on regeneration. You know what regeneration tells you? You're a new creation in Christ. Because you've been made new on the inside, you can change anything about your life on the outside. See, there are scriptures that tell you those things that say, hey, I'm not falling for this lie that I'm going to always think this way because I have been regenerated. I have been made new. I'm not the same person I used to be. But you have to take those scriptures that deal with whatever you're battling with and you got to do what with them? you got to get them on your mouth. The sword of the Spirit does no good sitting in the Bible. The sword of the Spirit does you no good just looking at it with your eyes. The sword of the Spirit comes active when you're speaking the Word of God. You have to take God's Word in whatever area. Tonight, I, I challenge you, whatever area you might be battling with with old habits, tonight's the night to get free. Tonight's the night to decide, I'm going to get free. And the way you do that is you begin to make a, a declaration of what the Bible says about that area of your life. And begin to recognize as we go through this how you can begin to see this warfare one. So realize you're not going to overcome like any aspect of what you deal with in the flesh. You're not going to overcome any of that or anything Satan throws at you with your own carnal natural ability. How are you going to overcome it? Whoa, back up. How are you going to overcome it? With supernatural weapons, the Word of God. Why do most Christians not walk out success in areas of their life, in areas that we know that the Bible tells us we've already been given victory because they're not using their weapons? You know what they're trying to use? Their own willpower. They're just trying to use their own willpower to stop doing stuff that they've always done instead of doing what the Bible said. See, we want to always do stuff without realizing it. We seem to always want to do stuff every other way than the way God said it works. If you want victory in your life, guess what you got to do? You got to battle, you got to wage the good warfare with the weapons God gave you. And the only way you do that is by going to the Bible, finding your weapons, finding scripture, and getting it on your mouth. If you don't do that, you're not going to overcome bad habits. Can I get a better amen? I'm going to tell you right now, if you are battling a bad habit or a bad uh, aspect of thought life or whatever, you need to start declaring your victory over it. You need to have a verse tied to your declaration. You can't just say, I'm free from you. Is that a weapon? Really, you're not referring to any specific verse. You got to start referring to what God actually said in the word of God. How many times did Jesus get tempted to give in to actual carnal uh, temptations in the wilderness? How many times? Three times. What did Jesus do every time? It's written. It's written. It's written. He's your model. He's your model. The reason he didn't give in was because he used the word of God. Well, if you've already been affected by something of the fall, which he wasn't, guess how you overcome? Same way. Word of God. So until the word gets on your mouth, guess what? Your habits won't change. Until the word gets on your mouth, sin that you might be in, you won't get free from. And until you go and find weapons... You got to go find scripture that says, no, that is not true. This is what I have according to the word of God and according to the blood of the lamb. This is what I have. And therefore now by the word of my testimony, I'm going to start declaring that word over my life. What if I don't believe it? You keep saying it till you do. Because the only way you're going to battle these carnal things is with what? Supernatural weapons. 1A, God makes sure. God makes sure that we have his power readily available so we can do what? Win every battle. How does that power go into operation? Okay. So how many of you know the power of God brought this little ball of dust you're sitting on into existence? Right. 
called the, called the earth or the world. How many know that, that what brought this into existence? He spoke it. Power of God was hovering. Go read back in Genesis. Power of God. Holy Spirit's just waiting for you to start speaking the word of God. Power of God was hovering over this ball of water. At the time, it was just a mass of water. And then God spoke. And when God said, when God said, when God said, guess what? The power of God had something to move on. Power of God had something to operate on. But until you start yourself speaking the word of God, you're not taking advantage of the power of God in you. 1B, you will never, never, never beat the enemy or his assaults against your life and ministry unless you do what? Underline it. You got to take him on spiritually. You got to take him on spiritually. Again, if you're just simply trying with your mind to try to get again, you know, come against what you're dealing with, you're not gonna, you're not gonna succeed. You're not gonna have success. You got to understand you're battling a spiritual enemy, and so you got to do what? Take him on spiritually. What is the word of God according to John six? It's spirit. It's spirit. So you are taking him on spiritually when you use the weapons God gave you. 1C, we can pull down, underline it. Don't say you can't. We can pull down every stronghold in our minds if we do what? Battle them with God and his word. Because that's what it's there to do. 1D, we can cast down every imagination to the ground. Again, we can cast down what? Every imagination, every wrong thought to the ground and quit meditating on them by doing what? Saturating our minds with the word of God and acting on it. So how do you saturate your how do you saturate your mind with the word of God, guys? You keep speaking it. You keep speak you keep coming and hear it preached and you keep speaking it. Because if you keep speaking it, you're saturating your mind with that weapon. You're saturating your mind with the word of God. 1E, we must make every thought we must make every thought that we think subject to the thoughts of God, his word and meditate on nothing but the word. Now stop and think about wrong thoughts you've had about what God doesn't say about you, what you think about you, or what the enemy has said about you. By the way, let me back up just for a minute. When I say thoughts you think about you, how many understand if you actually have a thought that is contrary to the word of God about yourself, how many know that thought really isn't yours? Because you're a spirit. So it didn't come out of your spirit. Now, it might have come out of your soul, your old carnal nature, your brain or whatever, but that's not you. You're not a brain. Right. Tell your neighbor you're not a brain because you're not a soul. What are you? You're, you're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So those thoughts really ultimately aren't yours. They might be of the old nature or the enemy, but they're really not yours. But you got to understand this, guys. You have to recognize that I have the ability to take every thought and subject it to the thoughts of God by meditating on nothing but the Word of God. So think about thoughts that you know are contrary to what God says about you. Think about how much time you've spent meditating on those thoughts. Giving place to those thoughts by thinking about them over and over again. Well, I don't know how to get rid of them. Back up to what we just said. How do you get rid of them? You take the word of God. And, yeah, but what if I have to do that a hundred times in an hour? Do it a hundred times in an hour. You keep taking the word of God and going after those thoughts. And guess what? You win. You win. And this is where most people miss it. Because they don't understand the power of the weapon of God's word to change things. But this is how you deal with these wrong behaviors and these old habits. Amen? Amen. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, if you learn nothing else tonight, which you should, 
If you'll put that into practice, you'll see a lot of challenges in your life defeated and a lot of things change the way you think and how you live. But the reality is the reason that most Christians are not winning battles in their life, dealing with stuff that they've been battling with for a long time, is because they're not doing it the way God said to do it. You have to fight the enemy spiritually. And you have to therefore fight him with what? Spiritual weapons, not carnal weapons. Number two, you also need to do what? You need to also lean totally on the blood of Jesus. Underline that. You need to lean totally on the blood of Jesus. See, it's not your words that are giving you the victory. What you're speaking from the word of God has to do with what the blood of Jesus did for you. So you have to totally lean on the blood of Jesus to cleanse your conscience from all the things of your past. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. If you're there, say amen. Verse 13 of Hebrews 9 says, For if the blood, talking about in the Old Testament, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more? I mean, that was the blood of animals that would would cover them in the Old Testament. How much more shall the blood of Christ, underline that, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God. All the rest of this verse in your Bible should be underlined. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Say, my conscience is cleansed. So what is your conscience? It's not your mind. It's the voice of your spirit. The voice of your spirit, man, is your conscience. It knows when you do wrong. It's been cleansed of sin. Therefore, if I will listen to my spirit and I will obey and honor my spirit man now, guess what I'll do? I won't put up with wrong thoughts. I won't put up with dead works. I've already been freed from them. Your spirit knows it. I said your spirit knows it. Your spirit already knows I've already been freed from that. So what must you and I do? You and I must start listening to our spirit man as well. And recognize if wrong thoughts come, our spirit already knows. You shouldn't be meditating on that. You shouldn't be dealing with that. You've already been cleansed from dead works. You've already been cleansed from dead works. You've already been cleansed from dead works. Well, why am I still doing them? Because you're giving into the carnal flesh and not dealing with the aspects of what you're addressing with the weapons you have. But God's already fulfilled through the blood of Jesus what you need to do to be free from it. So, two on your notes, 2A, we must... We must forgive everyone in our past and finally lay it to rest so it torments us no further. Because clearly one of the things that we got to recognize in our spirit, man, is that if we continue to hold on to things that other people have done to us, I'll guarantee you what, we're not going to walk free from dead works because we're going to allow that to affect our thinking as well. To be the blood of Jesus is strong enough. Say it's strong enough. Listen to this. You ready? It is strong enough to overcome any ill feeling a past violation, or any abuse that may still try to haunt you. Say, the blood of Jesus is enough. It is strong enough to help you overcome any wrong feelings. It is strong enough to help you overcome any past violation of a wrong you've done. And it's strong enough to even overcome any abuse that still may be trying to haunt you. Because the blood of Jesus has already what? Already delivered you. Go to Daniel chapter 8. This is an interesting verse. In Daniel chapter 8, Daniel is getting by the Holy Spirit an understanding of a vision that he had that actually relates to the end times 
and it actually relates to a part of the work of the Antichrist. But we can still learn through these verses because God clearly teaches us the Old Testament was written for our admonition that we can still learn from these verses. Part of what we recognize when we see Scripture in the Old Testament referring to the enemies of Israel or even referring to the work of Satan himself, how many know Satan doesn't change? He still operates the same. So this can help us to understand how our enemy works. How many, I've said this many times, how many know that one of the keys to walking in victory in a context of a military exercise, you need to know how your enemy operates. You need to know what your enemy does. If you do, that'll kind of give you an advantage to be ahead of the game in dealing with stuff when he comes against you. Number three on your notes. This is how, in Daniel 8, 12, this is how sin works. This is how sin works, so you need to be aware of it when it comes to harm you or to involve you. This is the process of how sin gets you caught up in your life and how it works in everybody's life. Daniel 8, verse 12. So he was talking about this horn which is an Old, uh, Old Testament prophecy of, uh, in context, book of Revelation, the, t- the end of times during the tribulation, of which the Antichrist will rise to power and the works of the enemy will. But he's no different then than he is today and what he was in the Old Testament. Verse 12, because of transgression. What's transgression? Sin. Sin. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn, this work of Satan, to oppose the daily sacrifices. There's going to come a time when they will oppose, of course, once again, the daily sacrifices. Notice this. And he, watch this, he will cast truth down to the ground. What will he do? Cast truth. Listen to that. Cast truth down to the ground. What is it that sets me and you free? Truth. What's the enemy trying to do? Cast that truth down to the ground. Trying to, make, to belittle it to make you think it's less powerful than it is. So again, he, came, he comes to cast truth down to the ground. Notice, he did all of this and prospered. I want you to underline three things here. One, he cast truth down. He cast truth down. Two, he did all of this, the new King James says. He did all of this. King James says he practiced these things. Three, and prospered. Underline that. And prospered. So when sin first approaches us, why do we allow oftentimes ourselves to get caught up in sinful acts or wrongful lifestyle? The very first thing that the enemy is going to do or your flesh is going to do is try to get you to cast truth to the ground. It's going to try to get you to not look at truth and understand truth for what it is. If it works, guess what? Now you're going to begin to practice what that lie has told you. If you begin to practice what that lie has told you, guess what? Sin's going to become full grown and prosper and affect your life. But it doesn't have to. So on your notes, number three, this is how sin works. A, the first thing it does, it comes to cast truth to the ground. So you got to recognize anytime thoughts come to you, contrary to the truth, in relationship to what you would think or what you would do, what's it trying to get you to do with that truth? Cast it down. To not act upon it, not believe in it, not speak it with your mouth. If you allow that to happen, 3B, in the phrase where it says it did all this, that means it practices it, meaning what? If I allow truth to be cast to the ground, guess what I'm going to start doing? I'm going to start acting on what I'm being told. I'm going to start acting on the wrong thought or believing the wrong thought or doing the wrong thought. Therefore, I start practicing what this lie has told me. And if I keep doing that, 3C, guess what? It's going to prosper. And what's the wages of sin? Death. It's going to separate me from the kind of life God wants. 
So where should I catch this going on in my life? Anytime, anytime thoughts come to you contrary to the truth of God's word, that's why you need to stay in the word of God. Anytime truth tries, anytime, excuse me, the enemy tries to get you to act contrary to the truth or believe contrary to the truth, speak contrary to the truth or believe contrary to the truth, what should you do? You should cast that down. Not allow that to cast the truth down. You're to bring all those thoughts into captivity. Cast them down. Don't let them get, cause you to cast truth down. Because if it allows you to cast truth down, you're going to start practicing what it's telling you. Amen? If you allow wrongful thoughts that cause you to obviously be concerned about aspects of things you need in life, what are you going to do? You're going to, you're going to stop believing what the Bible says. God supplies all my need. If you do that, what are you going to do? You're going to start practicing the lie. If you start practicing the lie, what's, what's to follow when you all of a sudden don't believe God's going to supply all you need? You start worrying. Are you listening? If you allow that worry to continue on, guess what it's going to do? It's going to affect your life. It's going to hinder God's ability to work in your life because you're not walking by faith. And it's going to affect you in a negative way physically. So you got to understand we need to recognize in the opposite of, of what we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, what are we supposed to do when stuff comes to us contrary to the truth of God? We're to cast it down. We're not to, cause, we're not to allow it to cause us to cast the truth down. We're supposed to be casting it down. Uh, go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. So in other words, turn the tables on the enemy. Turn the tables on your flesh. Turn the tables on your wrongful thoughts. Quit allowing those things to cause you to cast the truth down. No, reverse it. Turn around, use the weapons you got, and you cast those reasonings, those lies, those things that are coming at you to the ground with the truth of God's word. Number four in your notes. If you never make provision for the flesh, then you'll never fulfill the lusts of the flesh. If you never make provision for the flesh, give in in some way to the flesh, then you'll never fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let's look at a couple of verses. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. Galatians 5 16. Very familiar verses about walking in the spirit here. 16 says, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not what? You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So one of the ways that I make no provision for the flesh is I choose to walk in what? I walk in the Spirit. If I walk in the Spirit, what will I not do? I will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So one of the ways that I, as a child of God, make no provision for the flesh is I listen to my spirit man. Now, I don't have time, because that's not the focus here, to go through all these verses and teach you this. But how many know in verses 16 through 26, he's talking about the difference between your flesh and your spirit man. To walk in the Spirit here, is not to walk in the Holy Spirit, but your spirit. Now, believe me, if you're walking in the light of your spirit, you're going to be walking led by the Spirit of God because He's inside your spirit, man. If you do that, now it goes on to talk about verse 17, 18, 19, and 20, and 21, all these works of the flesh, you won't do any of those. What will you do? You'll start walking in verse 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit. So a key to not giving way to the flesh and making provision of the flesh is I got to start obeying my spirit, man. That's back to your conscience. Amen. If you're going to go do something, make a decision. Think about everything you do in life of choices you make, of thoughts you allow to come, of decisions you allow to be made. If you would have taken time to stop and think about what your spirit's directing you to do and listen to your conscience, 
Your spirit already knows if it's wrong. And if it's wrong, your spirit's going to get agitated. And if you'll obey your spirit, guess what you won't do? You won't give in to the lust of the flesh. Go over to Romans chapter 13. There's another aspect of making no provision of the flesh. So to make no provision for the flesh, number one, what do I need to do? Listen to your spirit, man. Romans 13. How many know that if you do these things, you're not going to walk in the lust of the flesh, and that's a good thing. You're going to live a whole lot better life, man. What, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, 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 goodness, meekness, faithfulness, self-control. See, that's what you'll walk in. People say, I wish I could walk in self-control. Don't make provision for the flesh. One, listen to your spirit, man. The second way, number two, that you make no provision for the flesh, Romans 13, 14. If you're there, say amen. amen. Verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So how do we put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if we do that, we're not making provision for the flesh. It's simple. To put on the Lord Jesus Christ means that you and I, in walking this out, are going to make sure that we are assenting to making our lifestyle line up with what Jesus would want us to walk in. Really simple. Not hard to figure out. If I have a drinking problem, should I be walking in a liquor store? Would Jesus walk into a liquor store? If I had a drug problem and I still had friends that were druggies, should I still hang out with those drug friends of mine? Would Jesus hang out with them? No. So you're putting on the Lord Jesus by making a simple decision to say, I'm not going to give my flesh an opportunity here to give in to what I know is a weakness for my flesh. And if I choose to eliminate that temptation of the flesh, I'm making no provision for the flesh. How are you going to fulfill the lust? You're not. I said you're not because you're not even going to be tempted. Can I get a better amen? amen? If you want to put a little note by this on number four, to make no provision for the flesh, Galatians 5.16, what do I got to do? Listen to your spirit, man. Stop making decisions about the things you think and about the things you do and the places you go without listening to your spirit, man. Number two, Romans 13.14, don't, don't allow yourself to have things in your life, temptations in your life, that you clearly know Jesus wouldn't have allowed. Well, you make sure you don't allow them. As the Bible says, you're cutting off your access to it, and therefore you won't give any temptation to the flesh. Amen. Back of your notes. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Are you getting help tonight? 2 Timothy chapter 2. That was three of you. Praise the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want you to look at number five there on your notes tonight. Number five, the sooner that you learn to purge yourself. You do have to purge things from your life. The sooner you learn, learn to purge yourself, guess what? The stronger you will be. Then you will live a more honorable life. Purge myself from what? Wrong things I shouldn't be listening to. Again, wrong friendships, wrong activities, wrong people I'm hanging around. Wrong places I'm going. Start purging yourself from these things and guess what? You'll start living a more honorable life a whole lot sooner. We touched on this before in another part of this uh, uh, series on last day's survival guide. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 21. Therefore, if anyone does what? Cleanses himself from the latter. Right before that, he was talking about things of honor, things of dishonor. That which is dishonorable to God, what must I do? Cleanse myself from it. If I will cleanse myself from that which is dishonoring to God, what will I be? 
Come on, what will we be? We'll be a vessel for honor, sanctified, set apart, useful for the master, prepared for what? Every good work. Go to 1 Corinthians 5. Say, I must cleanse myself from everything that dishonors God. You have to do so. Now again, wait a minute. Well, there, well Pastor, I didn't, I didn't think I was supposed to do that. Yep, you do. But how do you do it? With the weapons God gave you. See, don't get confused here. When he talks about cleansing yourself, he's not talking about using your own willpower again. But guess what he can't do? He can't put the Word of God in your mouth. How do I cleanse myself? Find the weapons. Get the weapons that will help get that stuff out of your life. Nobody can do it for you. Your pastor cannot follow you around and say, Oh, no, 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 don't say that. No, no, say this. Quote this verse. No, don't say that again. No, 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 don't say that again. No, quote this verse. I can't do that for you. Neither can anybody else. Jesus ain't going to do it for you. You have to cleanse yourself of those things. So cleansing yourself again means you take the weapons God gave you and you start using those weapons for what they were intended. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, you're glorying, because the Corinthian church was very carnal. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven, referring to sinful acts or wrongful lifestyle, a little leaven does what? Leaven's a whole lot. What's that mean? If I just even allow a little bit, what's going to happen? It's going to start taking other, over parts of your life. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Verse 7, therefore do what? Do what? Do what? Do what? Underline it. Purge out the old leaven. Who's got to do that again? You do. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. Since you truly are unleavened, because your spirit, of course, is, is totally pure and clean. For indeed, Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. What was he sacrificed for us to do? Help us to walk in liberty and freedom from these different types of lifestyles that are wrong. Purge out the old leaven that you may be what? That you may be what? Tell your neighbor, you need to be a new lump. Amen. So he's referring, of course, to the person on the outside. What rises up on the outside? A little leaven is going to leaven the whole lump. What do you need to do? Purge yourself of those things, again, that are wrong on the side of God, and you will begin to become a vessel of honor. So number five, again, the sooner you and I will purge ourselves, the stronger, come on, the stronger you'll be, right? And then you'll be able to live what? A more honorable life. Amen. Turn over to chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Number 6 on your notes. It's, it is a requirement of every Christian. Requirement. Say requirement. requirement. It is re a requirement, or you could say required of every Christian. To crucify his flesh and keep his body under. It's a requirement of us to do so. For, what are we crucifying? Make sure you know that. The flesh. We're not cru crucifying our, our, our new nature, our new man. We're crucifying the old fleshly nature. Paul stated this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Notice this. But I discipline my what? That's the fleshly part. I discipline my body and I bring it into what? Subjection. Lest... When I have preached to others, I myself should become what? Disqualified. That I'm telling people I've been liberated and here I am walking in bondage. Even though we really have spiritually, but we're not seeing the outward freedom of that. And therefore, that would certainly look odd to other people when we're talking about how God has set us free. And yet we're still walking in bondage. 
Not a good testimony. What did he do? What did he do? He disciplined his body and he did what? What did he do with his body? He brought it in subjection. What do you think he brought it into subjection to? What do you think he brought it in subjection to? He did bring it into subjection to the spirit, but again, what's your weapons to deal with the flesh? Word of God. You're bringing your body into subjection to the Word of God. How do you bring your body into subjection to the Word of God? Speak it with your mouth. You speak it with your mouth. You take those weapons, you put them on your mouth, and you use those weapons by speaking them out your mouth. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We're just showing you there's many different verses that relate to this aspect of you and I having to purge, get out of our life, keep out of our life, deal with our flesh, uh, the things that are carnal of nature. Again, we're using our weapons to do that. you got to keep remembering the very first set of verses we went over. We're not battling the flesh with carnal fleshly weapons, are we? What are we battling the flesh with? Word of God, our weapons, spiritual weapons. So what you're doing is you're taking the Word of God, and if you've got an area where you need to purge stuff out of your life, you take the Word of God and you start speaking to that area out of your life. Now, if you're dealing with wrong friends, guess what you need to do? Change friends. If you're listening to wrong things, guess what you need to do? Start changing what you're listening to. Obviously, there are some basic things you need to do. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. How many know you're going to be a whole lot stronger walking this out? You understand how much of a difference it'll make, this will make in your life spiritually to do these things? Most Christians never hear these kind of teachings. No, they're going to go to a church where their ears get tickled. This is a line upon line. Deal with your flesh and look how much better you're going to live life and how much stronger you're going to be spiritually. Ephesians chapter 4, pick it up in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, talking about those who were walking devoid of the truth, not walking in the light of the truth. 21, that's not us who have been born again, if indeed you've what? Heard him. And you've been what? Taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. How do you hear him and, and get taught by him? You go to a church where you know you're supposed to be connected to your shepherd, and he's going to give you the truth about what Jesus did for you. 22, notice this, that you put off. Underline those words right there. That you put off. So here's another phrase. Purging, cleansing, you put off. Crucifying your flesh. And another phrase, you put off. Notice this, you put off concerning the former conduct, actions of the flesh, that old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. How do I do that? Verse 23, aren't you glad he gave us the answer? Be what? Renewed in the spirit of your mind. Here's another way to say that. Be renewed in your mind to the new spirit man. Be renewed in your mind to the new spirit man, who you now are. See, when any thought comes contrary to what the Bible says I am as a spirit being, that may be true still of my fleshly nature. Am I a fleshly being? Is that word true about me? Are you a fleshly being? Come on, help me preach tonight. Are you a fleshly being? So if I hear a word about my old fleshly nature, is that true of me? No, it's not, because it's not talking about my new spirit man. Are you a carnal fleshly nature being? No, you're not. You're a spirit. Is your spirit made in the image of God? You have any idea how perfect your spirit is? You have any idea how powerful your spirit is? Because the Holy Spirit's living in you. You have any idea how holy and clean and right your spirit man is? See, that's you. That's you. 
This is where people miss it in warfare because thoughts come to them that talk about their fleshly nature. And you agree with it because you're thinking of yourself as a fleshly being. When a word comes to you, yeah, but you're this, you're that, that's talking about your fleshly nature. And you say, that's right, I am. What you just did is you fell for a lie. You just allow Satan to take what he is saying that goes above and contrary to God's word and exalt that over you. And instead, you're supposed to do what? Take what he said and cast it down and exalt the truth about who you are over it. And if you don't do that, you won't win the battle. So when these thoughts come about this old fleshly nature in relationship to that carnal nature, I don't agree with it and I don't say that's me. Why? Again, look at verse 22. Because I have put off, I have put off concerning my former conduct, the old man. Verse 23, by being renewed to the spirit of my mind that I'm now a spirit man. I want to read it again. I want you to get this. Again, verse 22, I put off that old conduct. How? 23, by being renewed to the fact I'm now a spirit. How do I put off that old conduct? How do I put off the old lies? How do I not give in to the lie of my flesh or the lie of the enemy? This is who you are when that's talking about my flesh and nature. How do I put that off? I say, no, 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 no. I've been renewed. I'm not fleshly anymore. I'm not carnal anymore. My spirit's not carnal. My spirit's not fleshly. It's not fallen. I'm a spirit. I am one spirit with the Lord. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, help me preach tonight. I have a question for you. Are you the body of Christ? Who's the head? Who's the head? Jesus is. You're the I have a question for you. When Jesus was here on earth, do you see Jesus do anything sinful? Do you see him thinking anything sinful? Acting in any way sinful? Wait a minute. You're the body. You're his body. You're his body. That's who you are. See, when the devil tries to convince you, no, you're this, you say, no, 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 no. I'm the body of Christ. I'm a part of the body. I'm a child of God. I've been recreated. See, this goes over people's heads, man. They don't get it. They don't understand the power of understanding. You have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Meaning what? Renewed in my mind that I'm a spirit being. Therefore, anything that would come at me, talking about my fleshly nature, trying to convince me that's who I am, guess what? I got a word for you, Satan. I got a word for your old fleshly nature. That ain't who I am. That's a lie. That's not who I am. Well, sure it is. You just did that. No, no, no. My flesh did that. That's not who I am. See, and until you start recognizing that and acknowledging that, you're never going to get changed on the outside. Shout it at me, Tamara. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, the camera lady is as amening your pastor a whole lot better than you are right up front here. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Watch, 24, and that you would then put what? On the new man. You put on the new man, which was created according to what? Come on, think about that. Think about that. Are you a new being? Are you a new creation? Who was it created by? God. Is there anything wrong with what God creates? No. Again, notice that. He said that you put on the new man... Which was created, which was created, already done for every believer, according to God. In what? True righteousness and holiness. Is there anything unholy about you? Is there anything unholy about you? Is there anything unrighteous about you? 
then quit believing the lies of which try to tell you that, that, that you are not right with God. Or you don't live a holy life. In the sense of living, okay, I might not be walking out what I should be if I'm given to my flesh. Well, that's because you are not a holy person. Yes, I am. I've already been recreated in righteousness and true holiness. So this is what you've got to do to start putting on that new man. So notice on your notes number six, it is again a requirement of us to do what? Crucify our flesh and keep our body under. How do we do that? We do that by acknowledging and understanding I have to deal with my flesh daily by addressing also carnal thoughts when they come to recognize I'm not a fleshly being anymore. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I think we need to train the quiet people to run the camera and get, and get uh, Tamara down here down front, praise the Lord. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. You ought to get excited about learning this stuff. Amen. Number 7 on your notes. The Bible also teaches us that we're to mortify the members. Say members. Amen. We're to mortify the members of our mortal body. This means to do what? Put our lusts, our desires, and our cravings to death. And again, be led by what? Be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will what? Die, but if you live according to the Spirit, you will what? You will what? Put to death the deeds of the body and you will truly live. Now, listen, this doesn't mean, quote unquote, directly you'll die physically. Could it be included? Yeah, it could. There are Christians that have died early physically because they were living in sin. They gave Satan total reign of their life. But the context of what he's saying here, if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but by the Spirit you will live. He'll put to death the deeds of the body and live. What's he referring to? Notice that. You'll put to death the deeds of the body. So what's he talking about dying to again? The deeds of the body. How do I do that? Live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. You put to death the deeds of the body. And you'll walk in true life of what God has for you to live. Amen? Colossians chapter 3. Come on, we're almost done. Colossians chapter 3. Again, these Wednesday nights and Sunday nights are more of a classroom setting. This is not so much for me to just preach and teach to you as much as it is just line upon line. Go through these scriptures and get them into you. Because the more you hear them, the better off you'll be. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Therefore put to death your members. Underline it. So there again is something I'm told to do. Put to death what? Your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You are to put to death these members which are, which are on the earth. Parts of what you of the fleshly nature will be led to go into fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, or covetousness which is idolatry. We have to do that. We have to put those things to death. How do we do it again? We use our weapons. We take the word of God. We don't fall for the lie that that's who I am because I'm not. I'm a spirit being. And we continue to speak the word of God over our life. So, number eight. Number eight. I want you to see this. One of the beauties of being a Christian is that you can actually put off what? Tell me this ain't cool. One of the beauties of being a Christian is you can actually put off the old man and do what? Put on the new man, including the? To think like Jesus thinks. Same chapter, 
down a little further to verse 9. Colossians 3, verse 9. Do not lie to one another, since you have done what? You have put off the old man with his deeds, and you've put on the new man once again, who is what? Renewed in the knowledge, renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him, Jesus, who created him, us. So this is actually telling you how you get a picture of your new man. How do I get a picture of my new man? Read it again. You put on this new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him, Jesus Christ, who created you and me. Small h, him, capital, uh, capital H, small h. Uh, renewed in the knowledge of him, Jesus, who, re- who created what? Us. He got, he's the one that got us born again. So he's telling you as you renew yourself to the image of Christ, you're one spirit with Christ. What are you seeing a picture of? You. You're seeing a picture of you. Uh, I'll guarantee you, man, all through my life in context of riding bulls, you always were taught the importance of, of the power of positive attitude. To see yourself as a winner if you wanted to win. You want to walk in victory as a child of God? Start seeing yourself through the image of Christ. Because you're one spirit with him. Start learning and seeing the image of Jesus in the scriptures and say, that's me. That's me because I'm one spirit with him. Amen. Number nine. Good preaching, Pastor. Even though we're quite quiet tonight, still some good preaching. Number nine. What to do when you battle habits. So let's go through some things here that we just talked about that we'll address directly as to a list that you can look back to any time. To go through what we just went through, here's kind of a synopsis of what we covered tonight. All right, 9A, what do you need to do? need to refuse to be condemned. It isn't God who's condemning you. It's the enemy or your mind. Refuse it. There's a difference between condemnation and conviction. People, you know, if you talk to people about their sinful acts of what they do, they'll say, you're condemning me. Are you condemning them? What's condemning them? Their sinful acts are. So we don't condemn any individual, do we? How do I condemn an individual? You're going to hell. How do you know that? The Bible said so. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Bible said no one knows the heart of a man except the man himself. You could say if you continue to walk in sin and you don't receive Christ, the Bible says that's where you'll go. I don't know that you'll go there. You know why? I don't know that you won't receive Christ. I don't know that. Only you know that. And God knows that. So I don't condemn anybody, the Bible says, to damnation. But to condemn people by simply talking about the wrongful acts they're doing is wrong. You're not condemning them. Their wrongful act condemns them. So what about your wrongful acts? They try to condemn you. So is the condemnation you experience when you do wrong actually you? No. It's not your spirit, man. That's the old fleshly nature that's making you feel bad. The context of condemnation or guilty. But what does your spirit man do? It convicts you. Conviction is different. Conviction comes from your heart, which simply tells you you did wrong. Now, condemn means to now do what? Now say you're deserving of punishment. Right? Conviction will reveal to you you're guilty, but where does condemnation go? You deserve to be punished. Do I deserve to be punished? Will God punish me for my sin as a believer? No, because Jesus bore that punishment. Called the work of propitiation. So, don't allow condemnation. 9b, repent. Repent and turn from it, whatever you're dealing with right now. Don't wait. I said, don't wait. What's repent mean? Acknowledge it, turn away. Repent right now. You must learn to hate your sin and what it does to you and others. Underline it. You need to learn to hate sin as much as you hate sickness and disease. Because it's destructive. 
It's work is simply a work of Satan to do what? Take advantage of your life and cause harm. So you got to learn to hate sin and wrongful habits. 9C, you need to confess your faults, obviously, and sins and habits. And if you have to, get your pastor and other loved ones to help you break the power of it. Sin or bad habits aren't that powerful, listen, once they're exposed. They're not nearly as powerful once they're exposed. Uh, uh, 9D, expect God to cleanse you. Do what? Expect what? Expect what? Because that's what faith does. Expect God to cleanse you and deliver you on the spot. He forgives instantly and will provide his power to help you beat the thing. 9E, make no more provision for this habit. Make no more provision for any bad habits. An example, if it's smoking, don't buy or borrow any cigarettes. Tell those around you, you have quit. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our... Testimony and not loving our life to the end. You can do it. Amen. I said you can do it. Uh, I, I love the testimony that, uh, I absolutely love the testimony that uh, uh, Keith Moore shares about a person in his church came to him with smoking cigarettes and said, you know, I know, Brother Moore, you said God's delivered me from these, but I've been trying to get free from them and I'm still not free. He said, you know why? He said, you've been trying. God's already delivered you. Amen. You need to start acknowledging it. He said, what do you mean? He said, every time you think about a cigarette, say, I'm delivered. delivered. Find a verse. Say, God's delivered me from it. He said, if you still smoke every time you puff on a cigarette, say, I'm delivered from you. Speak to it. Say, I'm delivered from it. He said, well, that'd be hypocritical. No, God's already delivered you from it. You're a spirit being. You're not a physical being. Start declaring the word of God. He came back two weeks later, came to the altar after service and said, he said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. He said, but it worked. He said, what do you mean? I kept saying that. And all of a sudden, one day I woke up. I didn't want my cigarettes anymore. Amen. Desire was totally gone. I was delivered. Amen. 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 9E, 9F, excuse me. Curse it with your mouth hourly. Amen. Come on, whatever habit or thing you're dealing with, wrongful thought, curse it. Guess what Jesus did to things of the enemy? Cursed them. Curse it, curse it with your mouth hourly or as often as needed to dethrone it and exercise your will and power over it. You have dominion over it. I said you have dominion over it. G, assign and recruit others to help you. Never try to battle these things alone. If one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand, just think what a whole church can do. And 9H, fast and put the flesh under at the same time you're, you're consecrating yourself to God. And he'll move on your behalf. Because what is fasting really? Dealing with your flesh. It's telling your flesh, guess what? You don't rule me. You don't rule me. How many know your flesh does not rule you as a believer in Jesus' name? Hallelujah. Pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.